Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to our talk on radiology 2025. No, 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 I mean radiology 2022. Okay, so we started speaking before about changes. Even some of the basic things. Okay, faxes. How many of you have faxes? I don't even know how to use a fax, to be honest, but I never knew how to use a fax when faxes were popular. But Jonathan Bush makes the point in Harvard Business Review, it still remains the most common method that practitioners use to communicate with each other, be it lab results, radiology results, notes. Are you kidding me? Uh, it takes a medical practice staff an average of two minutes, 36 seconds to review each document and then put relevant data into patients' records and hopefully they're not making mistakes. Each year, some 120 million faxes still flow into the practices of more than 100,000 providers on the Athena Health Network. That's where he's the CEO. He needs to change things. Excessive paperwork and red tape is the sewage of modern medicine. Estimated 14% of wasted healthcare spending, 91 billion, is a result of inefficient administration. Let's give AI the unsexy job of cleaning out the administrative muck that's clogging up our medical organizations, sucking value out of the economy, and literally making doctors ill with stress. Amen. And you can see CMS, Sema Verma, calls for an end of fax machines by 2020. 2020 is this year. Oh, it's next year. Okay, we got a free healthcare from the fax. Kind of seems like it. Maybe that's something you can run for election on. And then you think about how things have gone. Okay, emergency medicine. Emergency medicine physicians spend more time entering data into the electronic medical records than any other activity, including patient care. Improved efficiency in data entry would allow physicians to spend more time taking care of patients, and the hospital will make even more money. The mean percentage of time spent on data was 43%, and patient care and direct contact, 28%. Okay, that is really bad. And it's not even the money thing, it's the unhappiness. 4,000 clicks during a day. If you got paid by the click, well, maybe you wouldn't be so unhappy. But it's just the tedious nature. You've taken physicians and made them into clerks. Administrators have made physicians into clerks. When you talk about the crisis in healthcare, the whole problem with burnout, the burnout crisis will require significant changes in electronic health records. Okay, that's what this article says, and at Hopkins, the same thing. The dean looked at burnout at Hopkins and said one of the things he needs to change is the EHRs. We're using a lot of scribes now. Okay, so the scribe does the typing rather than the doctor. That's great. But last time I remember, we had scribes 30 years ago. So we spent billions of dollars to go back where we were. Uh, not so good. There needs to be ways. The epics of the world are really screwing us over. They took advantage of Obama's plan that was supposed to be open. It's not open. It's as open as a vault that's locked. We need to be able to have APIs to change things. Companies like Accenture need to get in there. Companies like Apple need to get in there. Companies like Google need to get in there. And the Epics need to get out of there. So we need to learn from the, EM, the EMR crisis when we do AI that it's not just doing something it's doing it in a way that helps the physician, which kind of leads to a transition to AI. Where's AI going to be in 2022? Okay, we're not going to do definitions of AI and, you know, the whole shell of machine learning and deep learning, but we're just going to say the simple things. AI is going to change everything. 
quicker diagnosis, better treatment, and improve health insurance and better outcomes. And this is true with every industry. If I was giving a talk in electronic utilities or retail or manufacturing or education, I would have the same type of chart showing cost savings, productivity improvement, decreased expenditures while increasing quality of care. Usually we always say, oh, we can't cut costs, we can't do this, we can't do that because it's going to hurt care. No, I'm telling you, these articles are telling you that you're going to do better and cheaper at the same time. Now, in the value chain, it's critical predicting disease, identify high-risk patient groups, launch prevention therapies, automate operations, automate tests, make them faster and more accurate, predict costs, focus on risk reduction, get the right patient, the right therapy, precision medicine. Now, I know medicine, and we all know this, has a reason to be a low adopter of everything new. There's all the risks and the rewards, and you can afford to make a mistake on your iPhone or your computer. You can't afford to make it on a patient. But we need to not be the low adopters just because we're slow. We need to be on our game. So for the radiologist, everything is going to change. We have the current model, how we do things. I think we're going to see surely, and we're starting to see RAs, radiology assistants, helping us with things like fluoro and perhaps plain film. We're going to have AI. You can see, and I'll discuss some of the apps that are already for sale from Zebra and AI Doc. And will AI be a primary reader? You can see that's going on a bit in England now with the short radiologists. Now, you could say, okay, this is ridiculous. They're taking us over. Well, you got to remember that in studies that are positive, there's up to a 30% error rate. And we know that errors, and we have had talks on this, so I'm not going to go into this in detail, but are a leading cause of morbidity and mortality in the medical field. Radiologists play an integral role in the diagnosis and care of patients. We also contribute to errors. We are trying really hard but we all make mistakes, and whether it's incorrect, delayed, or misdiagnosis, and I'm not worried about lawsuits. I'm worried about quality of care. Now, there are many reasons we make mistakes. There's, there's articles and there's articles like this, anchoring bias, confirmation bias, availability bias, satisfaction, framing, attribution, satisfaction, yada, 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 yada. There's so many ways you can make a mistake. I'm surprised we get anything right. It's a miracle. If I thought about all these things I could do wrong, I would get nothing right. But being practical, Marty McCary wrote this article about when you look at the data, medical error is the third leading cause of death. Heart disease, cancer, medical error. Heart disease and cancer are dropping. Medical error we underestimate because there's nothing on a death certificate that says medical error. And also we know that if I miss a 1CM nodule today and the patient gets diagnosed in three years, with lung cancer and then dies, they're going to say the patient died from lung cancer. They're not going to say the misdiagnosis three years earlier where the patient's lung cancer was 1CM, not 5, and the patient could have been saved. So again, we're always going to underestimate medical error. Now, most people still look at axial images, and we've pushed, and I know from our courses now, more than 50% of people look at NPR, but no one's looking at 3D. Everyone believes you should look at 3D, but no one's looking at 3D. We need, we need to do lesion detection and classification, but also so much of what we do is management. Management, how do we improve management? Now, 
there's different articles, and I can give you an article, whatever your point of view is, New England Journal of Medicine, machine learning will displace much of the work of radiologists and anatomic pathologists, okay? It's a good article to read. The patient safety movement will increase advocate the use of algorithms over humans. After all, algorithms need no sleep, and their vigilance is the same at 2 a.m. as 9 a.m. Algorithms will also monitor and interpret streaming physiologic data, replacing aspects of anesthesiology and critical care. The time scale for these disruptions is years, not decades. And Obermeyer goes on to say the machine learning will become an indispensable tool for clinicians seeking to understand their patients. And also makes the point, which I do agree with, this is going to create winners and losers. The most important thing is that the winners need to be the patients, right? There's no doubt radiology will change, Radi but radiology always changes. Well, mammography, maybe we'll get rid of all the mammographers. Huh? They'll have to read plain films. I think things will change. Now, CT, I think, will be around for a while because we're developing ways of looking at the pancreas, but even if I'm 100% accurate, what about the liver, the kidneys, the spleen? I think studies that have a lot of incidental findings are going to be much more challenging to have the computer take over. I can see it picking up lung nodules. I can see it analyzing coronary arteries. I can see it analyzing the liver. But you're going to need a lot of things. So we're in business for a while. But where do we really stand, okay? Here's, an, here's a couple of articles, so let me just show you. Deep learning algorithm for detection of malignant pulmonary nodules on chest radiographs and compared it to thoracic radiologists. Well, guess what? This algorithm was better. The summary statement, our deep learning-based automatic detection algorithm outperformed physicians in radiograph classification and nodule detection performance for malignant pulmonary nodules on chest x-rays and when used as a second reader in enhanced physician performance. This was in radiology. It wasn't in some throwaway journal or some journal where you paid money to, to practice. And the comments were, and radiology does a nice job of doing this implications for patient care. Deep learning algorithm showed excellent detection performance on a per radiograph and per nodule basis. Deep learning-based automatic detection demonstrated higher performance in the thoracic radiology group. And when accompanied by deep learning-based automatic detection algorithms, all physicians improved their nodule detection performance. What more can you ask for? I'm not saying that you're replacing the radiologist, but they'll make you better. You'll get better measurements. You'll be more accurate. Okay. And where does the FDA stand? Well, the FDA is approving things. I'll show you a thing which shows they've approved over um, over 30 things in radiology. Here's one they approved for detecting wrist fractures. It's not the greatest thing in the world. This osteodetect is 93% accurate and it's not on the elbow, it's not on the shoulder, it's only on the wrist. But in the ER setting it shows that it's good, it's better than an ER doc, it's better than the orthopod. Probably not as good as a radiologist but there aren't radiologists always available and many hospitals don't have radiologists. So it's it's better. And the FDA made a point, 93% accurate. It's not saying you need to be perfect, you need to be good, and you need to be helpful. Another app, Briefcase. Briefcase is a radiology-aided triage and notification software. The word triage is critical. A lot of the apps that are going through now are triage. So in this case, what this app does, it's really nice. It has an algorithm that allows you to detect bleeding in the brain. So if you're a group like VRAD or, another, or any big hospital group, and what happens is you get a lot of cases coming in, you read them as in order. So it may wait an hour. 
But what here is happening is this algorithm looks, it finds blood. If it finds blood, it moves it to the front of the list, and you read it right away. And there's an article that shows that saves over 35 or 37 minutes, which is critical. Time is brain. Well, at the end of the day, what's the downside? If it made a mistake, you have to read it anyway. It's just changing your order. Anything that simply changes your order is not a big deal because you got to read it anyway. And there were several articles that show not only does it change the order, but since it points to where the bleed is, it makes the study faster. And in some cases, physicians would have missed the bleed and the computer picked it up. ADOC, which is the first person, first group approved, looked at over 50,000 studies from nine different sites. They had all sorts of things. And there's been several articles. There's one article here about using this in practice from the University of Washington. And you can see, in summary, we report promising results of a scalable and clinically pragmatic deep learning model tested on a large set of real-world data from high-volume medical centers. And again, in that article, they speak about how um, they tested it on 7112 non-contrast head CTs. And you could see model output was reviewed by three radiologists and manual error analysis performed. Look at their numbers. Let me blow this up. Specificity, 99%. Sensitivity, 95%. And accuracy, 98%. Those are incredible numbers, particularly you want it to be overly sensitive. You want it to overcall bleeds because you rather overcall than undercall. But look how good those numbers are. So just think about how that is really going to change everything we indeed do. And look at their conclusion. Deep learning has shown promise as a technique in aiding physicians, aiding in performing this test accurately and expeditiously and may be especially useful in resource-constrained context. Bottom line is you got it, you're going to use it. Um, same app, another hospital, again, reduction in time, in turnaround time, greater reduction in positive cases, again, all positive. Similarly, pneumothorax. Many of you don't read your plain films overnight. Well, now every case with pneumothorax will be read quickly because the computer is going to say, look at this case. I think there's a pneumothorax. Or PE. We all love PEs, but how many of us have missed small PEs? Well, if you had someone else helping you, and it's good, and this supposedly is fairly good, it's going to help you. Now, if you think that AI is not changing radiology, I think you're one of these two dinosaurs here, seeing that meteorite coming, uh-oh, was probably an understatement at that point. Now, I'm hopefully what um, Jeff Hinton said, who's one of the uh, real founders of AI, that radiologists are toast, okay? You're Wiley the Coyote, about to go over the cliff. I think uh, we have a little bit more, uh, more say. Now, the apps are getting better and better. This is on histopathology. This is from Google. But what they did in this app is they were able to develop an app for detecting pathology, but also they were very good at being able to define exactly what the pathology was. But also then they realized pathologists didn't like it, and they changed the process. We found that Smiley demonstrated promising results despite not being trained specifically on pathology images or using any labeled examples. Okay, so they're able to look, find things that are similar, tell you what it is, and then rank it based on prior studies. 
big databases are critical, but just think about what they're able to do. And then they went back and looked at it and said, okay, let's give the radiologist, rather the pathologist, more leeway. The pathologist can pick what they want to look at and ask the questions. So here's an example. They could look at the past slide and say, focus only on this feature. Or give me more visual patterns like this. Show me similar images, but with less fused glands. So you can see now, all of a sudden, it's not just the computer taking over, but it's the pathologist driving the computer. And then when they did this refinements, the pathologists love the process. Beyond being positive passive recipients of the data, doctors were empowered with the agency to actively test hypothesis and apply their expert domain knowledge while simultaneously leveraging the benefits of automation. It's a win-win. And you can see once you went from Smiley to Smiley with human-centered tools, look how much happier the pathologists were. And I think this is from Google. Of course, it's from Google because Google is awesome. And you have to say that they're recognizing that you need to make sure that the physicians are involved. You don't want an epic disaster. We need to be involved. And so whether you're looking at reading CTs, and when we look forward, it's not just going to be the 3D. Okay, maybe I can get AR to help me with 3D by creating the images better and faster. But texture-based, we're looking at radiomics. This is where the computer is great. So whether it's a mass in the head of the pancreas, which, yes, this is an easy case on the axials and on the 3D imaging. But look at the cinematic. Can we use the cinematic as a way of doing better? And in this case where the patient has a tumor that's missed because you're looking at the case and let me just scroll through these images and you can see that when you look backwards if you look hard perhaps you should have recognized a small duct and maybe you should have recommended a study like EUS and here's the best images when I stack them but there it is you look back it's subtle but with texture mapping it's obviously there so we need to look at it and we need to pick it up here, not when it's here with this metastatic disease. Or in this case, which was read as pancreatitis, when you look hard, there is pancreatitis with cinematic rendering and texture mapping, but there's also a mass present. And at this point where you didn't call the mass and you look a little bit more carefully, the patient also has a ready occlusion of the SMV. So they're not even resectable. So again, we have to do better and we need to use these technologies to make us better. So let me talk about the new pancreatic CT exam as a way of thinking about all of this AI, but let's do this. Let's stop right here and we'll pick it up at this point. Okay? See you in a couple of minutes. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctisus.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.